we're studying and asking God to speak to us from his word about the manifested presence of Jesus. And I've preached for years and years that how do you know when Jesus shows up? How do you know when Jesus is present? I'm talking about in a special way. Well, he told us. He went back to his hometown synagogue in Nazareth. He'd already been baptized by John. His fame was already going all around. And he took the scroll of Isaiah, over in the 61st verse in our 61st chapter in our Bibles, and he read a prophecy. And that prophecy he spoke uh, is recorded by Luke in Luke 4.18. And um, that's the name of our church. So Jesus said, when I am present, I preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus said, now when I'm present, I heal the brokenhearted. And when I'm present, I deliver the captives. And when I'm at present manifesting myself, I give sight to the blind. And I lift up, I give hope, and I lift up the oppressed. So that's the manifest presence of Jesus. Now, we've talked about in recent weeks about his abiding presence, okay? What does it mean? In Galatians 2.20, and these scriptures will be on the screen for you. In Galatians 2.20, it talks about his abiding presence. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Now, I want you to notice those words. This is his abiding presence. Christ lives in me. Another verse that talks about the abiding presence of Jesus is 1 Corinthians six nineteen, where it says, What? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Where on earth does God live? Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, and you're not your own. You're bought for a price. I thank God today for his abiding presence, Christ in us. But then there's the promised presence of Jesus. Not only his abiding presence, but in Galatians 18, 20, I want you to listen to what Jesus said. Where two or three people are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So he talked about his abiding presence, but he said, you know, when two or three people gather in my name. Now that's more than putting the name of Jesus on the sign. When when you gather in the name of Jesus, you gather under the authority of his name. You gather and surrender to his name. You gather for the glory of his name. And you gather for the proclamation of his name. That's the promised presence of Jesus. Hey, two or three are gathered here this morning. In the name of Jesus. And we gather under his authority. For his glory. And surrendered to him. And for the proclamation of his name. And then of course there's not only the abiding presence of Jesus. And there's not only the promised presence of Jesus. But there's what we call the awareness of the presence of Jesus. The awareness of his presence. In Acts chapter 2. Verse 43. Peter had preached. 
And the Spirit of God was there in a great way. I think 3,000 were baptized. But look what happened. They all knew they were in the presence of God. It says in Acts 2.43, Then fear came upon every soul. Hey, man, when you're in the... Now, that's not talking about being afraid. That means you're aware that you're in the presence of God. There's reverence. There's awe. That you've moved out of the natural into the supernatural. And you say, man, God's present here. And it says, then fear came upon every soul. And that's the awareness of the presence of God. But then we come to the next thing, and that is his manifest presence. And this is what it is. First of all, he said he came to preach the gospel to the poor. That's salvation. We had a testimony of one of our men who gave the testimony that he heard the gospel and that Jesus saved him. I love Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation that everyone that believes. So preaching the gospel to the poor is salvation. And then the next one is, he said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. In Psalm 147, verse 3, the psalmist said, he heals the brokenhearted. Listen to this. It's on the screen. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. That was just talking about what Jesus was going to do when he comes. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And, and in Proverbs 15, 13, he also talks about him binding up. It says, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by the sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. You know, I never really appreciated this verse in the 23rd Psalm. But as I understood about people with a broken heart, in Psalm 26, verse 3, the psalmist said, He restores my soul. You know why Jesus restores people's soul? Because their soul is damaged. This damaged goods. And it says he restores my So we've talked about he preaches the gospel to the poor. He heals the brokenhearted. And then last week we talked about the fact and we had a testimony about from a couple of how Jesus was, was healing their broken heart and is healing their broken heart. And then we came at, with the, last week with the message, he came to deliver the captives. He said, I came to set the captives free. I love John 8, 34 through 36. He said, Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And he goes on on the next verse. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. And then I love this verse. It says, therefore, if the son makes you free, hallelujah, you are free indeed. So Jesus preaches the gospel to the poor. He heals the brokenhearted. And he sets the captive free. And we had a testimony from a couple last week about how Jesus Christ had set them free. Well, this morning we come to an interesting part of the manifested presence of Jesus. And that, he said, and that is where he says, he came to give recovery of sight to the blind. Now, exactly what was Jesus talking about? Was he just talking about people that were physically blind? Or was he talking about those also that are spiritually blind? I believe when Jesus said, When I'm present, I give recovery of sight to the blind. I believe he was saying I give recovery to those sight of those who are spiritually blind, and I give recovery of sight to those 
who are physically blind are, he said, I heal people. A part of my ministry is a ministry of healing. Spiritual sight, physical sight. You know, let's think a little bit about the fact that he gives recovery of spiritual sight. Do you realize that um, people who don't know Jesus have eyes but they do not see and ears they do not hear? In Matthew chapter 13, verses 13 through 16, Therefore I speak to them in parables because, look, listen to this. He said, i got to try to get a, give them an illustration so they'll understand. They're not, they're, not, they're not seeing. Therefore I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see. And hearing they do not hear. That, 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 that they might understand. And so he said, listen, some people don't see and they don't hear. So I try to take things that they understand to help them see and to help them understand. But the Bible talks about spiritual blindness. The most significant passage about a person being spiritually blind is, oh, um, is found in uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 3 through 6. It says, if the gospel is veiled, I want you to get this. You, 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 you don't understand why lost people don't understand the gospel. You don't understand, well, why don't they see it? Why don't they get it? I mean, I've talked to them, but, but they, they don't seem to see it. They don't seem to, to comprehend it. Well, what's the problem? Well, the Bible says clearly, if our gospel is veiled, hidden, they cannot see. It is hidden to those, or veiled to those who are perishing. And it goes on and says in verse 4, says, whose minds, and listen to this, the God of this age has blinded. That's why people don't see. That's why they don't hear. That's why they don't understand who Jesus is and why Jesus came and what Jesus did. He said, Brother Fred, I can't get it. Don't they know there's a God that loves them? Don't they know that God gave us his word that talked about his son coming into the world to die for our sins so that we could be forgiven, rising from the dead so that we would have power to live? Why don't they understand it? Why don't they get it? Why don't they see it? i tell you why. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. Lest the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ would shine in their hearts. Hey, folks, people today are spiritually blind. Satan, little s, the God of this age, has blinded their minds. And they, they rationalize. They don't believe. They don't understand. They don't understand why the cross is so significant. They don't understand why the empty tomb we celebrate on, on resurrections. See, they don't understand. They go through the motions, but having eyes, they do not see and ears do not hear because the God of this age has blinded the minds of them that believe not. So Jesus came to go through the blindness. He came to give recovery of sight to the blind. You know, there's one thing. That sixth verse, look, look at verse 6. There's one way people get, God gets through the blindness. Now, you need to listen to me. 
There's only one way God gets through spiritual blindness. He doesn't get through spiritual blindness by telling little cute stories and giving up, uh, um, illustrations that will make you emotional and all that kind of stuff. Let me tell you, the only way God penetrates the blindness of lost people is when the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached to them in the power of the Holy Spirit and God opens their eyes. It says here, look what it says. God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in Christ Jesus. You know why you're sitting here this morning? You're sitting here because at some point in your life, if you're saved, you heard the gospel. And the gospel is powerful. And, and the, the gospel, the, the light of the glory of God shone in your heart. And you saw it. You saw it. It was a supernatural thing. You saw it maybe for the first time. Hey, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. He took my judgment. He took my hell. He took the wrath of God in my place so that I could be forgiven and I could be saved and I could be a new creation and I don't have to live controlled by this world. I can live controlled by the Spirit of God. Listen, the only thing that will penetrate the spiritual blindness of unsaved people and the spiritual blindness of this world is the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaiming who Jesus is and what he has done, and that salvation is in him alone, and there's no other way. And I tell you, the Holy Spirit can penetrate the blindness, and they're able to see. Jesus came to give recovery of sight to the blind. Now, if you don't know Jesus, ask, ask him to open your eyes, to let you see. Just let him that you'll just get a glimpse, not about he lived 2,000 years ago and the historical Jesus and he worked. No, no, that, that you'll understand what he did for you, that he died in your place. Your name was written on his heart when he hung on that cross. I'm telling you, you just ask God, I want the light of the gospel to shine in my heart that I might know the reality, not just historically about Jesus, but I'll know spiritually who Jesus is. He came to give sight to the blind. Now, the people that you're burdened for, it's good. It's nice to invite them to church, but that's not going to, you know, you say, well, I want you to come to church. That's good for this reason. We're praying that the gospel preached in the power of the Spirit would penetrate their hearts. The blindness would be removed, and they would understand. Yeah, but let me tell you something. The best way to do it is just when you get to know somebody well enough, say, you know, let me tell you what changed my life. I was spiritually blind. But then I heard the, about Jesus, that he died on the cross in my place. He took all my sins on himself. He died and experienced hell so I would never have to go to hell. And he rose from the dead. And you know, realizing what he had done for me, I repented of my sin. I turned from him. And I asked Christ into my life. And he saved me. And he changed me. And once I was blind, but now I see. Oh, share the gospel. Share the gospel. It's not about denominations. It's not about religion. It's not about buildings. It's, not, it's about Jesus. 
And he's the only one that can penetrate the darkness of a sin-sick soul. He said, I came to give recovery of sight to the blind, spiritual sight. But you know, he not only came to give recovery of sight to the blind, spiritual sight. You know, um, sometimes believers have trouble really understanding. You know, you can be saved, but somehow you get to a point where you're not growing spiritually, and then God has to give you some light. You know, that happened to the disciples. In, in Mark chapter 8, verse 15, I hope we can get that on the screen. The disciples were in, in, uh, in a boat, and they were crossing the, uh, the sea, uh, like the Sea of Galilee, I guess. And they said, well, we've only got one loaf of bread. Well, Jesus said something to them. Look at that verse. Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Jesus was saying, let me tell you something. Leaven is always a picture of, always a picture of evil. He said, now, the Pharisees are very religious, but they're evil. Because if you don't obey their rules, they're they going to come after you. And said, by the way, you better beware that Herod, he's evil. said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. Well, they just were all concerned. Well, he's talking about the fact that we don't have but one loaf of bread. And Jesus, you know what Jesus says to him? Look, did I not feed 5,000? How many baskets did you pick up? They said 12. Well, didn't I feed 7,000? How many baskets do you? Well, seven. He said, now, come on. You're not getting it. And then I want you to look what he said to the believers. Look what uh, he said to them. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, it is because we have no bread. Then Jesus went on to say to them, but Jesus, being aware of it, says, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? What's y'all's problem? He said, Having eyes, do you not see? These were his disciples, and they still hadn't seen it, that he was their source. He said, having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Hey, sometimes we get at a standstill in our spiritual life, and there are things we just don't see and just don't understand. We can't seem to get beyond that in our Christian life. That's when we need to cry out, now, Lord, you saved me, and you gave me sight, and I'm saved. But now, Lord, I ask you to open my eyes and let me understand your word. Let me grasp what you're saying to me in the word of God about my spiritual growth. Hey, we're constantly needing the Holy Spirit to give us spiritual sight. But let's go on to the next thing, and that is this. He said, I came to give sight to the blind. I believe he was talking about physical healing. I really believe he was. Okay, let, let's just look at this. All right, let's, let's look at Jesus. You know, Jesus healed the sick, and he's still healing the sick today. I love Luke 4.18 because it's the presence of Jesus today. He preached the gospel to the poor, healed the brokenhearted, delivered the captives, give sight to the blind, set at liberty to the oppressed. But I love Hebrews 13.8. You know what it is? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, say it with me, today and forever. Wow. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. Man, what he did yesterday. But you know he's the same today. My soul. 
what he did yesterday, he's doing today. And guess what? He's going to keep on doing it till he comes back and raptures his church and takes it into glory. And so, you know, Jesus, when he was on earth, he healed the sick. M- Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. Now, this is an awesome verse. And it tells the fact that when Jesus died on the cross, he not only took our sins, but he took our sicknesses. Matthew eight sixteen and 17, it says, and he bore, for he bore our infirmities, and I, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He cast out the spirits with a word and healed all that were sick. So he's casting out demons and he's healing the sick. But he's fulfilling prophecy. That he might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Isaiah 53 verse 4. Hey, Jesus, when he came, he healed the sick. I mean, it says here they brought people to him, and constantly he was healing the sick. Hey, by the way, he gave his disciples the power when they went out to heal the sick. In Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Well, So we see Jesus healing the sick. And we see the disciples given authority and power by Jesus to heal the sick. Well, that means that the the followers of Jesus never got sick. No, you're wrong. You know, there were two people. One of them, Paul, was so broken over. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 through 28, uh, um, Paul talks about Epaphroditus and how sick he was. Look what it says. Now, you say, well, if you follow Jesus, you know he healed the sick. The disciples healed the sick, so his followers never get sick. Well, all I know is what the Bible says. It says in verse 25, yet I I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. And he goes on and says, since he was longing for you all, and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. And it goes on and says, For indeed, he was sick unto death. He almost died. But God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but me also. Because he had been ministering to me. And if he had died, man, it would have been another heavy load on me. Lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Hey, you know, people say, well, if you're following Jesus and you got enough faith, you won't ever get sick. Just one thing about that, that ain't right. Epaphroditus almost died. You said Paul had the power to lay hands on I know he did, but obviously he didn't. But you know, there was another one where over in, in 2 Timothy 4, verse 10, Paul said, uh, says, Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I have left in Miletus sick. Now, wait a minute, Paul. You've laid hands on people and they were healed? Why in the world didn't you lay hands on tro- tro- whatever it is, Trophimus or something like that, Trophimus? Why didn't you lay hands on him and heal him? He never answered me. 
I'm saying to you that um, there's a lot of misunderstanding about healing. A lot of misunderstanding. And a lot of people get deceived and disappointed when they believe the wrong things about healing. So I, I just want to say some things. First of all, all healing comes from God. Amen? Say it. All healing comes from God. All healing comes from God. You say, was it in the atonement? Yeah. He said he bore our infirmities and carried our sicknesses. Yeah. Every blessing comes from the atonement. Every blessing comes from the atonement that Jesus was on the cross. But all healing comes from God. Jehovah Rophe, the Lord that healeth thee. All healing comes from God. You know, there's miraculous healing. When apart from any human instrument, Almighty God will heal somebody. I mean, you know, it's not that they took the right pill. Not that they saw the right. I mean, here they were, sick. Some, they prayed. Somebody prayed for them. Miraculously, God intervened and touched them and healed them. And they were healed independent of any human instrument. It's called miraculous healing. God still does that. You say, why don't we do it for everybody? When you get to heaven, ask you. I'm serious. I have a lot of questions, you know. Why did she get healed and he didn't? But you just got to leave it with God. But he tells us what to do. So there is miraculous healing. But you know, I'm going to tell you. There's the healing that we receive by, through the grace of God. And I don't like this, but um, people describe it. They call it the common grace of God or the grace of God that is available to everybody. And, and, and there's healing. For example, God uses doctors. Now, some of them practice medicine, and they practice on you and me, and that is not good. <laughs> and some of them are too busy, and you have to wait in the waiting room too long. That is not God. But the common grace of God is God does use physicians. Luke was a physician. Oh, yeah. And where do physicians get the knowledge and, 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 and to know all this about the brain and all this about the body and, and from gallbladder to whatever, you know? I mean, how do they get? Well, God gives them the wisdom. God gives them the discernment. You know why I, I, I'm not a do- wasn't a doctor? I didn't have enough sense to pass biology. I could never be a doctor. God didn't call me to be one. But I believe that God gives people brains and they study. They feel led to be. Well, God uses doctors. Amen. You say, but some of them mess up. Nobody's perfect, right? God uses doctors. By the way, he uses medicine. Man, I'm thankful. You say, but some of it doesn't work as good as others, and sometimes they get it mixed up. Well, that's not God. I mean, you know, if the people just get confused and they give you the wrong prescription. And, but, I, I mean, all I'm saying is, if I get sick, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray and ask God to heal me. I'm going to pray, ask him to heal me, wait. But you know, if I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to go. You ain't got any faith. Oh, yes, I have. I believe that God, all healing comes from God and that God can use a human being to help me. And I believe all medicine is a gift from the grace of God. Oh, I believe that. You say, well, that's not spiritual. It's all by faith. It don't even work for the people that believe that. Do you understand? They get sick like everybody else. You know, um, well, aren't you thankful that God healed you of 
diabetes. I didn't know I was healed. Well, he gave you insulin. You'd be dead if you didn't have it. Well, aren't you thankful that God took care of that bad knee? She said, what do you mean? Well, listen, he gave you a new knee. You got a new one in there. You got a scar to show it. You got a new knee in there. Aren't you glad God gave you a new hip? I th- used to think we was going to have to have a new body when we got to heaven. We're going to have all the parts before we ever get there. <laughs> Lord, I never heard so many artificial things. They can't do the brain, but that, maybe that's next. Let me say this to you. All healing comes from God. And sometimes God heals miraculously. Hallelujah. But other times God has given men and women the capacity to know about your body and all the different parts of it. And God has shown them how to treat you. And, and so many of us are sitting here. And if it had not been for doctors, hey, I wouldn't be here if it hadn't been people who knew how to fix a heart valve. You know? So all I'm saying is, just remember that all healing comes from God. And that we need, whether it's miraculously or through doctors or nurses, that God still is the one that does the healing. Now, let me say this. Prayer, faith, sometimes prayer, faith, and human hands move the hand of God in healing. You always pray when you're sick. And faith, you believe God can heal you and will heal you. You believe God that gave that doctor the wisdom to help you get well, gave you the medicine. So prayer, faith, and human hands move the hand of God in healing. I want you to see some very important scriptures. Look at James chapter 5, verses 13. Now look at this. He, he talks about so many things. Is anyone among you suffering? <laughs> I reckon so. Let, let him pray. If you're suffering, pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Boy, that's good. I love that. Man, when you've you got to sing, just, just sing the psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Then let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. But he goes on and says, you don't have to have the elders of the church to pray for you for you to be healed. You, you can just get anybody to pray, pray in agreement with you. Or you can just pray uh, uh, by yourself. Contra- confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Obviously, God is involved in the healing because he always tells us to pray. Pray. Pray that you might be healed. Pray if you're suffering. Pray if you're sick. And then he says something. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. So we're just not doing it when we pray for the sick. Man, we're praying for the sick because God uses prayer. He uses faith. Sometimes he uses human hands. But God does the healing, and he says, pray and trust me and let me lead your spirit. Well, I've asked Charles and Linda Taylor to give their testimony today on how God has healed Charles. So, Charles, y'all come on up here. And, uh, and, and share with us. And uh, he, uh, we, I don't know, you were at Luke, uh, Luke 4.18 when we were at Davidson. The whole time, weren't you, Charles? Charles, were you at Luke 4.18 when we were at Davidson? 
Yeah, and I knew you went Cottage Hill too, didn't I? And, and every time you'd come in Davidson, I'd say, how are you doing? You'd say, I'm healed. <laughs> but you were battling cancer. Yes. All right. So I want you to give your testimony of how God used prayer and faith and human hands. And you're standing here healed. You and Linda, go ahead. All right. Talk where they can hear you. Okay. We'll try. Be, all right. You see what happens to the equipment when you ask me to speak. No, it's going good. <laughs> oh, 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 you're saying I'm the one that messes it up. Yeah. Now, don't do that. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, and for, uh, for y'all that really know us, uh, this is Sister, I don't believe you said that. And I'm uh, Brother, well, I did. Do what now? <laughs> this is Sister, I don't believe you said that. And I said, I'm Brother, yeah, well, I did. Her name is Linda. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. Th- thank you. Okay. <laughs> I better hang on to these notes, too, because I'll be talking about something. Y'all say, what in the world is he talking about now? Yeah, I have with to, the notes. Have to That'd read be good. <laughs> uh, getting serious, though, God has blessed me all my life. Thank God for a praying mother. I've been through two car accidents that I totaled. Uh, fell through some grating at the, uh, through the floor, grating material at the uh, paper mill, tore my arm wide open, caught myself with my right arm and would have fell three stories on spikes if I hadn't caught myself. But we know all along it was God who caught me. Amen. I had encephalitis. I don't know if y'all know what that means, but... The doctors told me I could die from, but again, mom with her direct line prayed me through it. I was in Vietnam at 17 years old on the front lines in battles that it could have took my life at any time, but God was with me again. I had a mother back home praying without ceasing. In Second Chronicles... It's as if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Same goes for sickness. When I was diagnosed with a sickness in, 20, in 2010, I was having terrible stomach pains. I couldn't get any relief no matter what I took. So I went to a doctor for an endoscopy and was told to change my eating habits, give some medicine, and I would be okay. But the problem persisted. About three months later, seeing another doctor, same thing. The problem persisted. So about six months into this problem, I had a doctor that had diagnosed me with diverticulosis, another fantastic disease. About 30 years prior, I was in the hospital about a week, wanting to go home, but the doctor was going to find what was my my problem no matter what he had to do. The reason he gave me was they were overlooking what I had because I was kind of young to have this disease. But his persistence in finding my problem made me realize how special he was. He also was a Christian. I hadn't seen him for years but when, I t- when he took me in and performed another endoscopy, he found the cancer. He told me he had turned the probe up 
and found the cancer in the top part of my stomach, which was overlooked by the other doctors. I also found out later that only 15% of people diagnosed with esophageal cancer survive. I was healed twice. God don't deal in percentages. You know, when you're told you have cancer, the first thing I thought was I had a short time to live. It was devastating to me to hear this. But after about five minutes, I had a peace come over me, and I turned to God again. I had so much faith taught as a child that I knew without a doubt I could be healed. I know we depend on sickness. We depend on doctors to take care of our sickness. But they can do nothing if God doesn't approve. Amen. When I would tell my doctors that were performing the chemo and radiation, that I would be healed through Christ no matter what, they told me that my attitude was 50% that I would be healed. 50% attitude, 100% God. Hmm. Through all my sickness, my best friend, my wife, was by my side. But it was more than she could take feeding me through a feeding tube and changing bandages. So my daughter took charge and was with me till the very end, till I was back on my feet. Sometimes I was so sick I would almost welcome death. But my wife Linda and my daughter Casey was not about to give up on me. My wife and daughter are my heroes. I wouldn't trade them for the world. So I'm here today to tell you God gets all the credit. You know, when you're told you have an illness that may end your life, you have time to come to God and seek forgiveness. But an accident or something sudden that could take your life before you ask Jesus in your life could be the big, biggest mistake you ever make in this life. Mm. You know, there was a fear that came over me right after I asked God in my life because I hadn't realized the next step I could, that I, next step that I could take would, could, put me, could separate me from God for eternity. One heartbeat away. There are thousands of people that die without Christ every day. They're saying they'll wait till later. I did. Thank God for mercy. Amen. But now having Christ in my heart, I wouldn't leave this building without him. Hmm. Brother Fred, thanks for the opportunity to give God all the credit. Amen. For healing me through cancer and all the things he's brought me through. Amen. Good morning. My name is Linda. Brother um, Fred's already told you that. Um, I just want to kind of tell you my part of the story this morning and say, Brother Fred, I agree. All healing comes from God. Amen. And um, God uses preachers to Right, he uses pre preachers to do everything. <laughs> I mean, all the time for everything. And uh, I 
I just want to say, I want to go to First John um, five eleven, and it says, "And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and His life is in His Son." I want um, uh, I just want to say that I I was going through this with Charles and I know he was suffering and that I never asked God why you know that he was suffering because I knew that he would get through it because I had faith that he would do it because I'd already asked God to heal him. I had no no idea that he would ever not get well. I knew that he would get well because I'd already prayed. I had already asked God to heal him. I said, Lord, heal him. And from that moment on, I knew that God would do it. I knew he would. I never backed up. I never had any doubt whatsoever. I just wanted to let everyone know that if you keep God in your heart, never waver like this man right here. I I don't know how he did it, but he did. The whole time he did it, he never left God out. That's why this man still stands today. He went through his heart surgery. Without God, he'd have never been back on this podium. No. Never. And he stands tall. And he'll stand here a long time. I feel that. That's why this man standing here, he'll sing again all the time. He'll sing for a long time. And this man right here, he'll walk through the doors and he'll praise God. That's all. Thank you. Y'all have a blessed day. Praise the Lord. Amen. Charles would come walking in the door at Davidson and um, looked like he was death warmed over. I said, how you doing? He said, I'm healed. You know, uh, he just never kept believing, never stopped believing, kept on trusting, and God's healed him. And you know, here's the thing, Uh, for 15%, for him to it's been three or four years now. Just shows that, hey, prayer, faith, human hands, God uses all of that. Sometimes he does it miraculously, independently, but sometimes he does it in another way. But the main thing is that all healing comes from God. Let, let me answer a couple of questions. Some people say, well, um, All sickness is a result of sin. You know the answer to that question? Yes and no. 
If Adam had never sinned, we would have never got sick. Adam had an immortal body. But when he sinned, that mortal, immortal body became a mortal body. And not only was Adam's sin passed down to us, but disease was passed down to us. You can be perfectly right with God, full of the Holy Spirit, living in obedience, and get sick. It's no respect to persons because you have a mortal body. Yeah, there would be no sickness if Adam had not sinned, but the reality is he sinned, and we've all sinned, and we have a mortal body. Uh, Healing is in the atonement. He bore our infirmities, our sicknesses. But you know what it says in Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2? It says, uh, to everything there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And look at this. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. You say, well, I don't mind dying as long as I die well. (laughs) How do you do that? You can just ask God to keep you healthy and let you go suddenly. Well, you know, praise God. If you're ready, that's good. You know, in Psalm 139, verses 13 and 17, he talked about how God formed us in our mother's womb and that he had a book in heaven and he wrote out what we were going to do. Just look at it. It says, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, my life, what I was going to do. The day's fashion for me when there was yet none, when there was yet none of them, you fashioned my days while I was still in my mother's womb. Before I ever took a breath outside of her womb, you fashioned my days. You numbered my days. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. So, God knows how long you're going to live. He has a plan for you to live X number of days. It's already written. But, you know, you can hasten your death. And people do it all the time by the way they live. But yet God knows all things. I, I, I want to close by just giving you this word that will help you. And then we're going to pray. Um, what you need to do if you are battling sickness or a loved one of yours is battling sickness, what you need to do is get a word from God. You need to get in the Bible, and you need to say, Lord, in Romans ten seventeen it says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now think about that verse. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. Now, there are two words in the Greek language for the Word of God. There's logos, which is the entire Bible. But there's another word for the Word of God. It's a word, rhema, R-H-E-M-A, rhema. And that's used 13 times in the Bible. It's used in Romans 10, 17. And rhema is when you get a personal word from God. It could be about anything. It could be about a job. Could be about marriage. You better have a word when you get married. Could be about finances. But you know, God can give you a word, a personal word, 
about any matter that you, but you, a, a rhema is when God gives you a personal word. It's a personal word from God, and you stand on that, and that always builds your faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by a rhema from God. God. A verse jumps off the page, and God says, that's for you. And from that point on, you say, are you going to be healed? Yeah, God told me I was. So you stand on the word. Are you going to be healed? Well, I don't have a word from God. I know God can heal me. I'm praying for him to heal me, and I'm going to believe God and keep standing on, on, on his word. I don't have a specific word, but I'm praying for God to heal me. I believe he can. I can't tell you 100%. I know he is. But you know, when you get a word from God, a rhema word where it's personal, faith comes by hearing and hearing by a personal rhema, personal word from God, then you can stand on that. And you can pray in faith. You can pray in faith. And I've seen it happen many times. The greatest one I've ever heard is, and I've always told it, but I mean, he's the one that taught us this. And I've seen people stand on this, get a rhema from God and stand on it and watch God perform it every time. Not just in healing, but in many ways. Well, Manley Beasley, when he was a young man, already a revivalist, got a scleroderma which means the crystallizing of your organs. They get, instead of being elastic, having any elasticity, they get, they get crystal and firm, and you die from it. At one time, he had seven terminal diseases in his body. And, and being a, a man of God that many people knew, they'd come by the hospital to see Manly, and they'd say, Manly, are, are you going to live? He said, well, I know God can heal me. I've asked God to heal me. And I'm, I, I want God to heal me. But, you know, I, I don't know. I ain't got, got a word. And so that's just the way he was. And he got worse. But one day he was reading his Bible. And he got to Psalm 128. And he got to verse 6. And, uh, of course, this is his testimony. I've heard him give it many times. Psalm 128, verse 6. And it goes on until it says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. His wife shall be like a fruitful vine by the side of his house. His children like olive plants round about his table. That's Psalm 128. And said, and it went on, and the last verse said, Yes, may you see your children's children. And Manley said, that it just leaped, the verse just leaped off the page. And God said, that's your verse. That is your verse. That is your verse. He said, the Lord, are you telling me that I'm not going to die? He said, yeah. Well, Lord, you know, my kids ain't seven or eight years old. Are you telling me I must be going to live a long time? If I'm going to see my children's children, he said, that's exactly right. From that time on, everybody that came into his room, they said, man, what's God told you? He said, I'm going to be healed. Guess what? He got worse. <laughs> You'll always be tested. He got worse. Many times they said they're going to give him up to die. But you know, bless his heart, he only lived to be 60. <laughs> he saw all of his children grow up. Some of them get married and some of them have children. He lived from 30 to 60 on a promise from God that God would let him see his children's children. All I can say to you, the best place to go to get faith when you're battling an illness or, or you're having a, a, a problem or a need or anything in your life, 
The best place to go is you get in the Word of God. Daily, you feed on the Word of God and say, God, anytime you want to, you can give me a word to stand on. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing with a word from God. And I'm not saying God will give you a rainbow. I'm not saying that. All I know is this, that I've talked to many, many people who were in serious situations, not just illness, but the way they made it through was God gave them a word. And you know, the Bible says your word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. And so in, in, in any situation you're in, you need to get a word from God. And if you'll get in the word and just faithfully, at some point, you don't try to manufacture it. You don't look it up in the pages and find out a verse on he. No, you just wait. And when you least expect it, probably, God will just give you a word. I remember this. I wasn't going to tell this. <laughs> My wife and I had been married three years, and she said, you know, it's time we had a child. I said, really? And uh, she, she was really concerned about it. She said, something's wrong with us. I said, well, we, we just pray. And uh, I talked to a friend of mine. His name was Barry Moore. He was an evangelist from Canada. And I said, you know, we, we, we're, my wife's concerned about we haven't had a child. He said, we, we're just seeking a word from God. He said, well, I believe I got one for you. And, you know, he was exactly, he said, no good thing will God withhold from those who walk uprightly. I said, well, child is certainly a good thing. So I just started standing on that verse. No good thing will God withhold from a person that walks uprightly. So all I'm saying to you, you got loved ones, yourself, maybe battling physical illness, other serious problems. Let me say this. Faith comes by hearing. And we walk by faith and not by sight. We don't look at the things we can see. We look at the things we can't see. For the things we see are temporary. The things we can't see are eternal. So, so I'd say, God, give me a word. And he will. And you just wait till you get it. But you'll know. Oh, you won't say, I think that's, oh, no, no. It'll be so strong. It'll be so strong that all the demons of hell could not shake you from that word that God gives you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by a rhema a personal word from God.